Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Brotherhood of Fatherhood podcast. My name is Scott, and I'm super excited to have Kevin Paul Alamon with us today. We're calling him Kev Paul from here on out. He's been married for eight years, has a six-year-old son, and his wife and son are his driving force in everything that he does. He is a technical recruiter for government contracts with previous work at a local power company. A few other details about him is that he's a Christian rapper. He has a YouTube channel. He does podcasts. He basically does everything. Uh, He loves God and his family and his country. And uh, I love those things too. So I'm super excited to talk to you, Kev Paul. How you doing today, my man? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm glad to be here. Can't can't wait to see uh see what we got going on today. Yeah, yeah. So, um, tell everybody how old you are. I, I actually want to start with this. How old are you? <laughs> I am 29 years old. I turned 30 in July. Right on. So we're we're just breaching on 30. And the reason I bring this up, everyone, is because I had a chance to get to know Kev Paul a little little better earlier this week. And um, this guy is a little above his years. He has wisdom well beyond his years. So it's really fun to talk to someone who's got some things figured out, has some major journeys ahead of him. Tell us a little about yourself. Like, let's walk back a little bit in your life and uh, and start there. Okay. Yeah. So I grew up down in South Texas. Uh, sports guy. Played football. Uh, did bodybuilding. Uh, not bodybuilding, but powerlifting. You know, I played baseball, golf. I mean, I was just all around sports guy in high school. I grew up in a small town in Ingleside, Texas, which is just north of Corpus Christi. After that, got out of there. Went to the Marine Corps. In the Marine Corps, I met my wife. We got married after six months of dating. We've been married for eight years now. Everybody told us that, we, that it wasn't going to last, but here we are striving. Yeah, you were young. Uh, yeah. 21? 20, yeah, I was yeah. 21. So, um, yeah, everybody told us it wasn't going to last, but, you know, by the grace of God and the uh, guidance by by many fellow Christians and, and mentors, we were able to continue to grow and uh, got out of the Marine Corps, came to Virginia, where my wife is originally from, been living here since then. Uh, son was born in Okinawa, Japan, where we were stationed. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very cool. So, um, you just kind of drop this in, you talked a little bit about your lifting. So, um, because I'm in the, you know, kind of in the fitness world where my career is based, um, tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah. So I started off with powerlifting in high school. I watched a lot of Rodney Coleman and, uh, you know, I loved, I loved working out. And so whenever I got into the Marine Corps, I did some bodybuilding. And then after I got out of the Marine Corps, I continued to do bodybuilding and then I took it a step further and I was striving to become a professional bodybuilder for the longest time. Took about, uh, for about five years solid working to, uh, get on the, the, the IFBB stage. Never did. Ended up calling it quits because, um, I realized it just wasn't the path for me. I backed, uh, backed out of doing the bodybuilding stuff, but yeah, I did it for five and a half five years or so. Okay. So what's the, what do you mean by it wasn't the path for you? I mean, walk us through that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I realized I got out of the Marine Corps because family time was getting taken away from me. Um, I was missing out on a lot of my son's, um, you know, growth. Whenever he was first born, they sent me to South Korea for an operation and I just was not cool with it because I was getting out within two months. So I got out of the Marine Corps and then I went to Dominion and I worked there. And I mean, I worked endless hours at Dominion, endless hours. And, uh, go home, go straight to the gym, wouldn't get home until 8.30, 
nine o'clock at night because I would work out for two to three hours. And um, so once I realized how much I was missing out again and, and that I put myself <laughs> in the same situation I was in whenever I, when I got out of the Marine Corps, it uh, kind of drove me to, to realize that my family's more important than the bodybuilding career that I was trying to build. Yeah, it's an interesting pattern, uh, one that I bring up a lot. So you got out of the Marine Corps to buy yourself time for your family. And what did you do? You, you immediately, it sounds like you immediately dropped into a career that really demanded high number of hours. And, um, and then tell us, you know, you're, you're not only working, but you're doing this bodybuilding thing. Tell us a little bit about what that looks like in a day. Yeah. So I mean, for the two and a half years that I worked at Dominion, I woke up 4.30 in the morning, ate breakfast, went to work. You know, I had my, my meals all prepped and everything, went to work with my meals and you know, I worked all day outside in the heat, in the snow. The longest shift that I had was a 72-hour shift, which was really the driving force behind me leaving Dominion. Um, and I guess we can get into that a little bit more after this. But uh, after I got done with work, I would go home two and a half hours, three hours running, cardio, whatever it was. And then I'd get home and everybody was asleep or getting ready to go to bed. And so um, it was very tedious on my family. I didn't recognize it at the time. Because mm -hmm. I'm very much so a person that likes to fill my schedule. Obviously, you know, I got podcasts and stuff now, but all that stuff is here in the house. I can do it here. So um, once I realized being out of the house all day, every day, it just was too taxing on the family. What was the driving force? I mean, you wanted to get out of the military, out of the service to, to buy time. And then um, you filled time outside of the home. Have you thought back on that? Like why you did that? Like what was the reasoning? It's um, one of the biggest reasonings. And, and this isn't me like just casting my, you know, my issues on, on, on any sort of mental thing, but I have a ADD. And mm -hmm. so my brain's going constantly all the time. And so I filled a lot of my time with side chores and side things to do, because if I sat idly by, I also had a, a stretch of depression for a while whenever I was in the Marine Corps. And so to keep myself alcoholism to keep myself from those dangers I felt like filling my time was the best way to keep me away from those things. Right. Um, and so that was really, and I've always been, I've always been a very busy body, whether it be doing things, but I always have to be doing something. It's just making the correct decisions that are best for my family to ensure that they get the time that they need that I started, you know, getting away from filling it with other, you know, other void filling objects. Yeah. So is that a long standing pattern? Like you just always kind of filling the void with things and activities? Yeah, 100% of the time. I mean, growing up, I was never home. I was, people talk about movies nowadays. I always laugh with my friends and stuff because they're like, have you ever seen this movie? I'm like, no, I haven't seen that movie because I never watched TV. I'm outside, I'm doing stuff, I'm constantly moving. And um, yeah, so it's always been something that's just been in my system to do. You mentioned alcohol. How did that play a role and, and when did that begin? And you said, I think you said the word alcoholic or borderline alcoholic or yeah. something of that nature. So yeah, tell us a little bit about that. So in the Marine Corps, they kind of produce for the most part, either meatheads or alcoholics. And so I was a mix of both of them. <laughs> both lives. And um, we would go to Marine Corps balls and everything like that. Marines were born in a, in a in Tun Tavern, you know, it's a, it's a bar that the Marine Corps was born in. And so we, the Marines have built this idea of just drink, drink, drink. And I fell right into that hole. Um, and then I hit hard, bought, hit rock bottom after my brother had passed away. And that was, that was rock bottom, but it was also the turning point for me to realize my alcoholism and a lot of other aspects of life. What about that? Um, 
re- made you realize? What about your brother's death made you realize that you had some issues? Like, how did those connect? So my wife was, that's whenever my wife started going back to church. And this is where church starts coming back into my life. Uh, my wife was going back to church. She was praying for me. She was trying to help me get through it. Um, I was drinking excessively. I could, I would, I would barely make it into work on time at, at, at many occasions, just trying to deal with the depression of losing my brother, the depression of just having depression in general while I was in the Marine Corps being so far away from family. Um, and so it was, it was a light switch whenever I realized this isn't what I want my brother, my little brother to look down from heaven and see his big brother doing, mm-hmm. beating himself up and destroying his body every single day. And so I always try to find ways to take even the most horrific occasions to find a positive aspect out of it. Whether it's three years later, I'll finally have that realization. Um, I do a lot of self-reflection and it was that self-reflection that I did after I went to church that helped me realize that um, the positive aspect was I that I beat alcoholism, I beat depression, I beat a lot of my anxiety uh, just through, just after realizing what my brother meant to me and how I want to, you know, honor his his life now that he's no longer here. That's awesome. Yeah, I've heard people say that, uh, you know, what's meant for bad can be used for good. And it sounds like that's, uh, there's, there's also a, a real biblical version of that same statement. But um, it sounds like that's kind of where you were at at that point. Have you done that since? Have you, have you kind of had to redo? I mean, um, us men are kind of wired where we can make some pretty big mistakes and then we return and do the exact same thing in a different methodology. (laughs) Yeah. I find myself doing that frequently. Um, I'll find something that, that just seems to not fit in who I want to be and I'll key in on it, figure out what the source is, where did it come from? Um, and then I, I practice, I kind of practice like a rewiring of my brain at times and I'll just focus on, and it's not, I don't beat myself up over it neither. Like I, I, I am a big believer in, in positive reinforcements with whenever it comes to these things and being positive towards yourself is really crucial. Uh, I hate whenever I, I don't allow my son to say, you know, I can't do this or I'm dumb or I'm this. Um, for many reasons. And one of the biggest reasons is, uh, I mean, I am right. And God's name, the great I am. And so you are speaking into existence. Um, and you're, you're even to me, it's almost like blasphemy to the Lord to say that you are, that I like for me to say, I am stupid. It's blasphemy to me because you're saying that, that, that the Lord is stupid because the Lord made you, the Lord created you, you are him, you know, you were not him, but, but you, but you manifested in, in, in his existence and we're meant to be Christ-like. And so I've commonly find myself, um, reflecting on occasions where I beat myself down and I, I do a I do a mental rewiring with it um, of just self-reflection, meditation, and then finding the correction and then plugging it in. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, I think a lot of people think of you know, when they think of God in the Christian, in the Christian sense, they think of uh, judgment, like, and by saying that what I do reflects God would be an extremely heavy thing to carry. And they, I think people would almost see it as oppressive. And yet you see it completely different. So like, um, let's speak to those folks that see like, wow, I, I don't want that pressure. I don't, that's, that's not, they, they're probably, you know, whether they believe it or not, isn't what matters. I think it, what matters is the way that we process things and, um, the way that we grow. So you, you believe that what you do is a reflection, um, on God because he created you in his image. Exactly. How does that not demotivate you when you mess up? How does that not make you feel less than, um, from the studies, from my own personal studies of scripture, I've 
found so a lot of people hate the word repentance i love the word repentance because repentance is simply just accepting and and acknowledging your faults Mm -hmm. and turning away from those faults and correcting them um it's a literal trans the literal translation of repentance if you look at the hebrew text and you look at the pictographic meanings of of the hebrew text it's burn the house down and turn away from and so um instead of looking at it like so many people look at it as almost a damnation on their own soul yeah it's a realization that there's success and repentance because in the repentance you find success and you find true freedom and you find true inspiration from God to continue on um, and that's how you'll align yourself with your na- with your natural self because I've, I've had a friend who said that that he looks at sin at just as just not being who you're supposed to be um, rather than sin being some sort of overbearing uh, morality you know moral aspect that, that's unachievable where right. it is achievable you know so that's a beautiful thing is that it is and 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 another thing is is that a lot of people don't realize what the word sin comes from and that's another hebrew word of it's uh, chata which is also a chet in archery which just means miss the mark you miss the mark okay Dude, what do we i do love now? that i've never heard that yeah. and that is that that's really cool because sin isn't like this um it, and i see it this way too it's not something that defines you you just miss the mark and you want to move on you need to move on and grow from it so you talked earlier about like things not aligning with what you wanted to be. Um, and I would guess that there's a good number of audience listening who would say my work doesn't align with what I want to be, but I, I that's what I do. Or, um, you know, drinking doesn't really align with who I want to be, but I don't have the motivation. Why you went from drinking to not, um, did you, did you go through any, any counseling or any professional help you, or did you quit on your own? But on my, well, not on my own, obviously with the Lord's help and my okay. wife's help. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't go to counseling. So you quit bodybuilding and you are striving to be a professional bodybuilder. I mean, that's a big deal. I know bodybuilders and they eat, breathe. I mean, everything is focused on your body, what you're doing to your body. So you've done these kind of like extreme things, which take extreme lifestyle, really. And you've, you've quit them cold turkey. What's the motivation? Like, I, I, I understand the drinking one and you yeah. saw that and your wife helped you. What was your motivation for quitting bodybuilding when you work so hard? Yeah. I mean, and, 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 and honestly, sometimes reflecting back, um, I wish I would have kept some of the same workout mentality mm-hmm. that I had. Quitting cold turkey with bodybuilding, right now I feel like it has a detriment to my health because I am 260 pounds and um, I'm getting a little chunky around the waist, but I have so much more time with my family. So now I get up in the morning and I focus on taking my son out to work out. Um, working yes, out with, I love that. with my wife, you know, and yeah. that's where that's so quitting cold turkey. It was just it wasn't who I. It's not who I wanted to be, and that's one thing that I've always realized um, is that whenever I know what who I, whenever I realize what I don't who I don't want to be or what I don't want in my life, um, I just I just get rid of it. I, I mean, I still I still drink, right? Like I, I don't, but I'm not an alcoholic, so right. um, I quit for two and a half years. And then I was like, All right, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna have a drink or two. And then I just like, okay, now I can, now I can sit down and have a drink. But it's regaining control of yourself before, before you know, even taking the adventure back into something that that used to control you or that was so easy to control you uh, to a whole nother level. That yeah. that was the important thing there. Right. So. What else have you quit that hasn't aligned with your vision? Um, I quit listening to certain music, mm-hmm. right? I only listen to Christian music now. 
uh, Christian music and country music, but the, the country artists that I listen to, they, they talk about Jesus and they talk about God. Um, that's pretty much, those are the two big things that I can think of off the top of my head that I quit for, well, uh, tobacco. I, I still have dip every once in a while, but for the most part, I've quit tobacco. So. Yeah. So um, you now have a son, eight years old. Nope. Six years old. Sorry. So you said you take them to work out. What do you, how do you live your life with kind of this extreme, you know, you kind of dive into all these things. What do you do with intentionality with them? Are you intentional with the ways that you raise your son? hundred percent. Um, the words that I speak, I think before, you know, occasionally I'll have outbursts and be like, ah, stop, just leave me alone. Right. But, you know, I, I run from, I run from that. And I, and I also reflect on those moments and I reflect on those moments with him. I illustrate why I reacted the way that I did. Because one of the biggest things is I don't want to deter my son from experiencing emotions. Emotions are important to our to our EQ, our emotional uh, you know intelligence. Yeah. And but the importance is to understand when you overreact, how you overreacted. So I share those things. I share with him whenever I overreact. No matter if it's with him, if it's with a dog, you know, that just irritated me or whatever, or if I'm driving and somebody cuts me off and I freak out, whatever it is, I, I am intentional with illustrating it and, and trying to put it into words, into context that a six-year-old can understand. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very intentional with, with workouts. I focus on, you know, body weight workouts and it's fun for him. Like we went on a run the other day, like three miles and he's like playing tag with me for three miles. And it's so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> and so, um, but he wants to do everything that I do. Right. And I find ways to get him mixed in with what I do, whether I'm making music and he'll come up and he wants to do music. And so that I'm like, all right, man, let me hear your raps. And you know, it's not raps. But you know what? I'm his hype man the entire time. I'm like, yeah, what next? Then what'd you do? All right, what's up? You know, <laughs> and so I just make it, I try to make it a very, you know, purposeful act to be, to be his hype man, but also to remind him, hey, I'm dead. You know, I will discipline you. And whenever I discipline him, after I'm done, I make sure he understands why. Why were you disciplined? Yeah. If he can't explain it to me, I'll explain it to him. Then I'll ask him. If he can't answer it, then I'll explain it to him again. Then I'll ask him until he finally says, not word for word, but at least he says and he understands it. So I'm, I try to be very intentional with how I deal with just, I know what was missed whenever I was growing up. Mm. I know the little keys that were that were missed. And he's so much like me that I pick up on those things and I pick up on his gestures and his body language and I realize it and then I make sure to address it so that he doesn't feel left out or kind of on the back burner or a bad egg, you know? Yeah. Do you feel like you have to, like, are you working to make him love rapping or working out? No. I don't, I don't, I only want him to, so we, we focus on eating healthy, but they're, they're kids. So I don't need to make him want to work out. He wants to do it because he's a kid. I, I strongly believe that all kids want to be active and it's important to just set the phone down, set the computer down and just go out and spend an hour with them. Whenever they're ready to go play, go play with them. And they make a positive reinforcement behind that action. Yeah. And so I don't push it on him. I don't say, hey, go outside and play. No, I just, he tells me, hey, let's go outside and play. And I'm like, all right, cool. Let's go work out. I'm like, all right, cool. So um, I just try not to say no to the important things that he needs and, and that he feels like are important to him. Yeah, I think that's a big key. Kids will fall in love with things 
by watching you without you forcing. We talked about this with another guest I just had, um, and he was talking about teaching your kids to fish. And, you know, a lot of us were raised fishing where we had to get up at the butt crack of dawn and we didn't want to do it. And we ended up liking it a little bit. And then we were forced to clean the fish pool. Like, you know, there's a point where you either carry that on or you like never again. Right. And, um, his point was I have fishing plans and my daughter says, I want to come. My fishing plans are out the door because that's not fishing when I'm taking my daughter. It's, you know, it's casting once and then ending up hiking or swimming or something. And I think it's, uh, I love that because it sounds a lot like what you do. Like you, you have to seize the opportunities you model and you seize the opportunities. So like, you know, my wife and I owned a gym and our youngest who grew up in that, like he loves to work out. We've never had to ask him. He's like, what's my workout today? Um, but that's just for, for modeling and then being available when the timing was there. And I haven't been very good at that. I'm just lucky. But um, but it sounds like you've kind of nailed that down. Like he wants to play. He wants to rap. He wants to work out. We're going to do that. So you must work from home. Uh, right now, I do. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much everybody does. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, no, I do. I do. Uh, work in a, I do work in an office whenever it's normal, mm-hmm. uh, business is normal. But okay. I mean, I spend, what is it, nine hours because it's eight hours of work and 30 minutes there, 30 minutes back. So I spend nine hours um, away from, you know, away from my son because me and my wife work together. So I'm not away from her. Anymore. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. So. It's either cool or horrible. I'm not sure. I'll let, you know, I, I know I would <laughs> enjoy so it. So many people ask us how we do it. Yeah. But it's I would the basis it. of our relationship. Yeah, we were, we met in the Marine Corps. We were in the same unit in the Marine Corps. Uh, every, then we, she was a recruiter and then I became a recruiter and then her company needed that knew that I needed a recruiting job. So they hired me to work at her company. We work gotcha. there together. It's always been that way. So wow. we're used to it. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um, man, I, I love your story. I, I want to dip into a little bit before we wrap up on rapping. I mean, like, dude, you are no offense, but you're kind of like, uh, you know, red beard, totally white. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Not what I see as a rapper. And um, I have to admit, so I went on your YouTube channel and I pulled out like uh, one of the videos. I cannot remember what it was. And, I, and, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was really skeptical. I'm like, oh, this is going to suck. Like, I'm not <laughs> to, like, I've heard Eminem and that's probably the only white rapper I thought, well, he can, he can rhyme, but it was really entertaining. And I was like, okay, I listened to it twice. You could probably tell me which one it was. It was a video. Um, yeah. I listened to it twice and I was like, yeah, okay. Because I'm a little weird. I play rap when I work out and I play yeah. a mixture of like nineties, 2000, you know, total, uh, ghetto rap or whatever gangster rap. Um, yep. but I also play things like Leclerc and Annie Mino and some, some of the, the, the other artists the Christian world. So kind of seen both sides. And I was, I was like, I could totally add this in my lineup. I like it it would feel right in place. So first of all, kudos to that. I was, I I was pleasantly surprised, but, uh, explain, explain, uh, a redheaded, red bearded, uh, country boy rapping. Yeah. So like I said, I grew up in South Texas. I wore cowboy boots. I wore the tore up hat. Um, (laughs) I mean, cowboy. I got two cowboy hats. I've got four pairs of cowboy. I mean, I'm I'm country to the bone. I was raised on country music. I my dad was in the navy. We moved to Maine, and uh, this guy that my sister had known came over and he put on the CD, and uh, it was ludicrous. And I was like, oh, I like that. That's pretty cool. And then 
I was hanging out with another buddy and he put on Dr. Dre, The Chronicle. And I'm like, oh, what's this? And they're like, oh, that's rap music. I'm like, what's rap music? I had no idea, right? Wow, yeah. But I instantly fell in love with rap music. I liked the style. I liked, like, it was almost like at that point I could I could see the stories being developed mentally. And that translated to whenever I met my best friend, Josh, um, him and his brother did rap music and they were like, dude, try it, dude, try it. And I kept on saying no, I kept on saying no. So then they like went to the kitchen or something like that. And I was like, I'm gonna give this a go while they're not here. So I just kind of turned on the mic and just started my first one, you know, I was just sitting there doing freestyle. And then they came back and I'm like, let me know what you guys think. Boom. And I hit it. And they were like, for the first time, that was pretty dang good. So from that point on, I just kind of absorbed that identity of, okay, I can rap. I enjoy it and I started like my thoughts and stuff started being like rap and like I would just be randomly walking like Eminem style you know randomly walking to crowd and notepad and just start writing down stuff that's just coming to my head and it filled the void a lot of times for my ADD oh that's um, cool yeah. so yeah and from that point on I mean I did uh we did an album I whenever I was in high school but it was like it was like that gangsta thug rap you know like yeah um I kind of put it to the side for a while and started writing poems only um after my best friend had passed away and then I picked it back up and I was like I'm gonna focus on Christian rap I'm gonna this was after I you know bit actually and came back to, to the Lord um I'm like I'm gonna focus on Christian rap and so it it's it's uh, one of those things that honestly just really came natural to me and not to be like braggadocious or anything, but for some reason, a lot of people tell me like, you pick up on things really, really fast. Why is that? And I don't understand it, but it's just something that I do. Like I could, I kind of freestyle. I don't really freestyle anymore. I write more, but um, yeah, just, I jumped, I, I don't know. I just jumped head first into it and enjoyed it and I love it. And it's, uh, it's my artistic relief. I've always wanted to be musically inclined. I tried playing guitar forever. Couldn't ever get a hold of that instrument. I could never get a hold of so raps and and lit and uh, uh songwriting is my thing yeah so if you did if you did poetry it's all about flow right so so that's just kind of a natural skill of yours and and it sounds to me like what you're saying but so um do you put a lot of time into it is, is it just kind of something that's here and there i do it when so i do it one whenever the spirit moves with me um i'll hear a beat or something and i'll just kind of like i'll just write sometimes i'll do it whenever the spirit moves with me and then sometimes i designate time and i sit down and i write music but i mean for the most part sometimes i'll just randomly start freestyling in my head mm -hmm. and i only get half of it down and it irritates me that's yeah. one of my biggest pet peeves because i'm like ah oh, that was so much good going on there and i don't Struggle have all capturing the ideas yeah it's hard <laughs> so, but yeah um i do designate sometimes like the my testimony um album the ep that i have I, I designated time to write all that music so yeah so um let's talk about like okay now that we've piqued our, the the audience's interest they're all gonna go google you they're gonna find it uh for everybody watching or listening you can check out all of kev paul's um resources in the podcast notes so don't don't waste your time go directly to the source but tell us about what all these different things you do like give us a little uh give us a little rundown as far as just the the music and the podcast yeah where people can find information about you and, and find out what you're what you're all about yeah so my music my my testimony my ep that i did in 2000 beginning of 2019 i think it was that's on soundcloud okay. um just because i don't have all musical rights on that uh that album my next album is going to be out on Spotify, which I'm currently in the writing stages of that. So that that's on standby. Uh, Prosper HD is a Facebook page that I run, and it is my 
my podcast. It's where I go Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday at 6 p.m. And I do uh, I do devotionals. So I'll sit down with the devotional and I'll do a live devotional review. Not review, but I'll do the devotional live. And then I'll add in narratives that from my studies and put my own, you know, my own beliefs and not my own beliefs, but kind of add my flavor to it. Yep. Um, and then I also edit it. I edit that and then post that on YouTube, which is Kev Paul seven, seven. Yep. Yeah. Kev Paul 77. So that's awesome. So, um, the YouTube channel is just basically your prosper HD. And right. is there an, uh, t- intended audience for prosper HD? Is it for men? Is it for men and women? Is there like, what is that? Is it an open group? It is a closed group. It's an open group. It's intended for anybody that, so my direction with it, and it's kind of my opening statement on a lot of my videos is it's for the church hurt people, anybody that's been to church and they felt like they weren't, they didn't belong or they got kicked out of church. Um, it's for those people. It's, I don't believe in kicking people away from God. It's for the lost souls, anybody that, that, that felt lost or, or that felt like they're backsliding or, you know, they used to be a Christian or they are a Christian. They don't go to church anymore. It's just, it's a more relaxing format. I wear, you know, I don't get all dressed up. I, I don't try to slam it down people's throat. Um, and then it's for, for any atheists or agnostics to come and join the conversation because um, I believe in, you know, open discussions with people. And through those discussions, I find myself building myself closer to the Lord. And then a lot of times open a lot of atheists and agnostics into realizing Christianity is not as bad as, you know, Westboro Baptist Church makes it seem. <laughs> yeah. Calling the church out, but you know, no, yeah. And so it's it's that's that's kind of where where I'm at with it. Well, I think that's really I I actually didn't know that and um, I'm glad I asked because a lot of people have been really burned. Um a church is made up of people and people are messy and uh yeah. people feel burned, they get burned, they feel judged, uh cast away and that's not that's not how it should be. So I really commend you on doing that. It's really cool. Well, Kev Paul, thanks so much for being here. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was a great conversation and I'm yeah. glad to uh, be a part of this group of uh, brothers. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if anybody ever has questions or ever needs somebody to talk to, I'm more than happy to, to talk, even if I'm younger or even if I'm two <laughs> years Dude, older. I feel like I'm talking to an older guy. It's pretty cool. And it's, that's, not a, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks everybody for joining us on the Brotherhood Podcast. Uh, like I said earlier, if you want to find out more about Kev Paul or connect with him, check check out the show notes, look them up. Um, Also, make sure that you find that little button in your whatever podcast you listen to, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and subscribe. It's the best thing you could do to help grow this. And if you haven't done so, if you're a man and you have kids or plan on having kids, join the Brotherhood of Fatherhood Facebook group where you can ask questions, talk to other men, um, find out what's going on in the lives of other men and realize that, hey, I'm not in this journey alone. Until next time. 